In this episode, I have a chat with the creator of Classic Fantasy as we delve into the rule set and campaign world. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 35, delving into classic fantasy. Welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to April. Now, I am not going to do the classic April Fool's joke and say that I am terminating the podcast. No, the reason I'm not doing this is mainly for two reasons, actually. First, I'm not sure if April Fool's Day actually translates into other countries or whether it's just an English thing. And secondly, by the time you listen to this, it might be after midday in the UK, which means that the joke's on me. So let's just leave all that fooling around. Every time I start to explore a new part of the design mechanisms community of games and people, I come across something that I want to learn more about. Classic fantasy is something that I bought when I was first looking around for a new rule set to play. I'd started a campaign in D&D 5th edition, but as a new GM or DM to the rule set, I was finding that players knew so much more than me, and I was literally just rolling the dice that I was being told to roll. I wanted something new and exciting, and, well, I have to admit it, a game that was more lethal. I still have classic fantasy on my bookshelf behind my camera when I'm set up for streaming. And I was so excited when I managed to secure a chat with the creator of the game. So without further ado, here is the chat. Sure. Uh, My name is Rodney Leary. I'm the... uh the author of Classic Fantasy and uh, the Classic Fantasy line manager at the Design Mechanism. Brilliant. Um, I've been playing uh, role-playing games for a long time. I, I love everything from role-playing games to tabletop war games, uh, video games, uh, just about anything that you can make a game. I just love, you know, I'm probably going to be indisposed to love it. Um, and i uh, been gaming for probably upwards of... 40 years wow something like that so fantastic what what do you remember the first ever rpg that you played 
Gamma World back in 1979. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think mine was Tunnels and Trolls, if if you remember that. And then oh, I yeah. went very much. Yeah. And then I went on to what was then basic Dungeons and Dragons in the Red Book. So what was the inspiration for classic fantasy? Classic fantasy gets its inspiration from uh, Dungeons and Dragons and other level-based games. Yeah. Uh, back in probably the early 1980s, uh, after playing Dungeons and Dragons, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, actually, for you know quite a while, yeah. I uh, discovered RuneQuest. And yeah. uh, RuneQuest kind of blew my mind as being a, a non-level-based fantasy role-playing game, something I'd kind of never heard of before. Yeah. So the first thing I did is convert my existing Dungeons and Dragons campaign over to RuneQuest. Fantastic. And um, we, we, you know, we, we pretty much started playing that way for a very long time to the point where I didn't want to go back to a level-based role-playing game. One of the things that always bothered me about level-based role-playing games was the accumulation of hit points as you go up in level. I completely you know? agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once you get to a point where you're taking more damage than an African elephant, <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of hard to justify the reality of it. Very so, much so. <laughs> um, so in, in a way that is the origin of Mithras classic fantasy. It was just a continuation of my conversion of Dungeons and Dragons and other level-based games to a completely different system that I actually, you know, really, really enjoy. Yeah. And, and I think that um, is sort of like bore out in the, in the rule book and everything. And it's, I totally agree with you about hit points. That was one of the major stumbling blocks that I had with, I, I started with advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. And, you know, what, once you were getting high level, you know, you, a house could fall on you and you would still sort of like get up and walk away. So how long has classic fantasy been around? Did it come out after Mithras or at the same time as Mithras? No, actually, it predates Mithras. Um, it was Brilliant. originally uh, released by Chaosium uh, yeah. as one of their monographs. And it was... Uh, uh, basic role playing's big gold book when that came out. I was the lead play tester on the on you know that particular Wonderful. set of rules. Yeah, and uh, Jason, the author, uh, had contacted me after and asked if I'd be interested in writing something for the big gold book for basic role playing. Yeah, and at the time, I'd never written anything, um, but I was always very flowery in my descriptions of stuff when I would give him examples of what rules worked and what didn't work. So I think he kind of thought, you know, maybe yeah. I could, you know, take that and actually, you know, write something interesting. Yeah. Um, so I presented, you know, three or four different ideas to him and he kind of said, well, I think you should go with the, the fantasy one. It, it sounds, it sounds fun. So I uh, wrote up a proposal and I submitted it to uh, Chaosium and uh, they liked it and asked me to do it. So uh, so I originally wrote up classic fantasy uh, under the basic role playing system, which doesn't yeah. differ all that much from Mithras. But correct, yeah. H how long ago was that then? <laughs> Can you remember? Ten or eleven years ago, probably. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, maybe around there. 
and then Mithras came later later on then um, f- from a different starting point because I think Mithras is very much based on RuneQuest. And- it, it, yes. And a uh, matter of fact, when I'd written up classic fantasy uh, for Chaosium, the bit, you know, the basic role playing, the big gold book is full of options, which you can tailor it the way you want it to be. And I always used every option that made it just like RuneQuest. So Fantastic. I had the hit location tables. I had everything in yeah. classic fantasy back then. So, again, that's why I'm saying it, it, it translated really easy over to Mithras um, just because I'd already w- was using those options anyway. Yeah. And uh, and I th- and I think where um, I I bought the book really the rule set really early on, and you know you can feel that through the rules. There's there's a lot of RuneQuest in there, and obviously Mithras has then evolved from it um, as well. So, what do you think is the main difference or the similarities between classic fantasy and the Mithras core rule books? Um. There's not a lot of changes really from classic fantasy. People tend to tend to think there are some changes yeah. or some major differences, but there's a lot less than people really notice. Like the first thing they'll look is they'll see the character classes and they'll say, well, oh, now it's a class based system as opposed to, you know, non classes. Or yeah. then they'll see that, you know, each class has five ranks. So say, well, now it's a level based system, which Mithras isn't a level based system, but they tend to ignore the fact that all my classes are are professions, which are already in Mithras, yeah. with special abilities. And the special abilities are just derived from the fact that Mithras has uh, guilds and brotherhoods yeah. with five ranks. <laughs> yeah. And these ranks sometimes give you special abilities as you increase in them. So I really didn't make that up or add that to Mithras. It was pretty much always there. It's just not necessarily, you know, it's toward the back of the book. might not be something that a lot of people are even familiar with, but it's really nothing new. Um, As far as other things that I added that differ, well, the magic systems. Uh, You know, I definitely made magic systems that while utilizing, you know, core Mithras concepts, they incorporate spells and stuff that are very, you know, level-based, you know, yeah. D&D type games and stuff like that. You know, all the classics like Fireball and Lightning Bolt yeah. <laughs> and Cure Minor Wounds and Magic Missile, all the spells that people kind of grew up with yeah. are in there. So, but other than that, you know, some new monsters, uh, you could pretty much take a Mithras adventure and convert it to run in classic fantasy with little to no trouble and vice versa. Yeah. Matter. So, and I must admit, I use the monsters from classic fantasy in my Mithras campaign uh, as (laughs) well, (laughs) mainly because there's some classics there, you know, and things like the rust monster, which must be my all time favorite. (laughs) Oh yeah. Monster, you know, so that it felt familiar as I sort of like 
I, I wanted to say evolved, but that almost like sounds that one system is not as good as the other, right. which yeah. I wouldn't want to say. But as I sort of like transferred from fifth edition into um, Mithras, and I actually looked at classic fantasy as well, and it, it really helped me with the the understanding of you know things like hit location the equipment right. tables are fantastic and all the armor and you know weapons that are, are brilliant combat is that the same um as mithras in classic fantasy yeah it's exact there's nothing i pretty much utilize all of the combat rules from mithras for classic fantasy the only thing different is uh you know, I have some miniatures combat rules, yeah. um, which could be used in either classic fantasy or Mithras or vice versa. There's no reason why you can't play Mithras using just the normal combat rules from uh, I'm sorry. There's no reason why you can't play classic fantasy without just using the regular rules from Mithras, if that's what you want to do. But if you want to use miniatures, I get some very detailed miniatures rules as yeah. well. So fantastic rules. They are uh, as well. The, what's the um expert set <laughs> I, I noticed that was around but i'm not too right. sure what that is when, cla when classic fantasy came out um because of page limit uh, i could really only have rank one through uh three spells which Don't, is yeah. which is kind of putting you around uh, between the probably level one through six spells in like Dungeons and Dragons as an example. Yeah. Uh, so I could only have like uh, spells of rank one to three, leaving out the rank four and five spells and, uh, and some of the more powerful monsters and uh, uh, stuff I had to leave out. Um, so I, I, what I wanted to do is fix a few uh, mistakes that had been made with the character classes. So there's some minor tweaks in the expert set just to you know kind of balance them out a little better and add uh, a pretty you know interesting assortment of rank four and five spells just right. in case people got to that point before the companion comes out which has all the you know the other spells so yeah. it was just you know some people play the game faster than others and yeah. uh so no, that that sounds uh, brilliant. And there's quite a lot of, I was just looking on the design mechanism webpage in preparation for today, and there's quite a lot of adventure modules out for it as well. Yeah, I think we're at, geez, I want to say eight or nine. You know, I could be off on that, but um, quite a few. And uh, there's, uh, you know, so there's still more in my, uh, my folder, you know, of uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, ones that have been proposed and stuff like that, that it's just I've been so tied up right now with with uh, the Unearthed Companion that yeah. I really haven't been able to devote as much time to the adventures or, you know, as I would like to. Uh, hopefully when this companion is finished, we can go full bore on some more adventures. And plus, I have other things lined up as well. So Fantastic. So wait, when is when will the companion be gracing our shells then? Well, it's going through editing right now. It's already had a, a preliminary editing pass and it's reverted back to me and I'm making a few a few tweaks and changes here and there to, you know, catch some things that I missed and yeah. and uh, remove a couple things that may have 
not been as well thought out as I would have liked, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. But with the things that I removed, I was able to add some stuff that I previously removed because of space limitations <laughs> and, you know, keep the same page count that it was originally and uh, and so on. But it's uh, yeah, so it's coming along. I I hope. I don't like to give, you know, firm dates, but no. I hope to have my my initial pass uh, done by the end of this month. And then it'll be returned to go through the next you know, phases of the pipeline. So brilliant. And the, the companion takes us even further up the ranks. Is that? Yeah, I'm <clears throat> not as much rank still ranks one through five because rank okay. five is the equivalent to like 20th level in D&D. Wow. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but as far as, uh, you know, it's got probably close to 200 total new spells, including wow. ranks, you know, of ranks four and five, as well as a bunch of new rank one through three spells that are also classics, but were left out originally. It's got maybe 80 new monsters um, and uh, some really interesting stuff. Some of my favorite monsters are the higher level monsters. It's got you know, like 10 different demons and 10 different Brilliant. devils and, it's it's got you know treants and it's got you know all all the the big time it creatures. sounds fantastic it really yeah. does and it, it sounds as if there's lots more to come and then even more modules coming around and i really yeah. i really like pre-made adventures especially for people who are new to the game or new to gming or playing because it's sort of like encapsulates everything about the system you know and do have you written the uh, adventures then or is it other people i've co-written uh most of them in the sense that i'll get an adventure submission the the author has complete freedom i'll work with them to make sure it, you know it fits within the confines of classic fantasy but other than that i don't you know you know, write any of his aspects of the adventure. Yeah. But what I do is I include, because I've always been a fan of the hex crawl, you know, the, the overland exploration. Yeah. So I love it. it. Yeah. Every adventure has extensive um, wilderness exploration tables, uh, oh, a hex map to explore on. Um, and I, I, I've written all of the, the rules for, you know, the hex crawl, I've written all of the, uh, oh, the the you know random chances and what happens yeah, in each type of environment, and they're always specific to that part of the world. So if you've collected all the adventures, you have pretty much wilderness exploration tables for everything Fantastic. from you know the frozen north all the way down to the latest one with Egypt. So Brilliant. you have encountered tables in every adventure. So. But that, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And I must say, I'm a great fan of wilderness adventures. I'm actually working on a video at the moment uh, talking about how important the journey is as as well as the where you end up in an adventure. So do all the modules come together in a land? Is there sort of like a campaign world associated with classic fantasy? Uh yeah, uh, it's called the World of Greymere. Um, you know, it may be a little bit of confusion there because originally in the earliest versions of classic fantasy it was referred to as Greymore. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, yeah, which obviously was derived from Greyhawk and Blackmore, my yeah. two favorite D&D &D settings. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, but a, another large, hugely you know named company, which uh, does not need to be referenced, came up with their own uh, yeah <laughs> their own you know uh, supplement for their world called Graymore. So yeah. we decided you know rather than step on any toes, we just rename it. And uh, I really liked one of the regions in my world called Mistamir, uh, which I liked how. You know, it ended with M-Y-R for yeah. Mir. So I, I, I kind of said, well, maybe Gray Mir, yeah. you know, G-R-E-Y-M-Y-R would be kind of an interesting name. So doing some searching, I didn't see it was used anywhere. So so we we you know, made a fast track road change over to Gray Mir, So And so all the adventure modules are based in Gray Mir then? Yes. Yeah, they don't have to be. They're, they're all pretty much generic, but um, they all have a specific spot on that Greymere hex map, which hasn't come out yet, by the way, but um, <laughs> where they do take place. So Brilliant. So uh, as people are, you know, using the, the modules, they're actually exploring the world at the same time. Yes, exactly That's right. Which, again, I kind of it kind of harkened back, back when I was playing, you know, first edition advanced dungeons and dragons, you know, and playing the village of Hamlet yeah. <laughs> against the giants, all these old classic adventures. When I played them did not have a world map. And then all of a sudden they came out with the world of Greyhawk. Yeah. And every, every one of those adventures was given a location on that map. And it just like opened up this whole, world for further adventure once they actually got it and that's kind of the idea that i have with Greymere. the map exists matter of fact i hand drew the original map wow <laughs> probably 28 years ago now fantastic and i've been playing in that world off and on using different systems for a very very long time so it, it must be uh, quite an honor to see your campaign world public you know, and being shared across the world. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of freaky. Um, yeah, across the world. You're not you're not kidding. It. Uh, classic fantasy itself has just been. Let's see, it's been published in in uh, see, it's Germany. Uh, just came out in France. Wow, and uh, Spain. So fantastic. That that's absolutely and it, the the podcast is quite far reaching as well. So the, you might have some demands to translate it to into other languages in the future as, as well. Yeah, actually me and Lawrence are just talking about the possibilities, not just of classic fantasy, but of getting Mithras in some other countries and stuff. So yeah, we very much hope that ends up being the case. That that's brilliant. Are, are you mainly uh, a game master then? Uh, do you take the the lead role in there, or do you prefer to play? Um, I'm not going to say I prefer to play. I love being a game master, but I've been the game master pretty much. If I've if I have played, I mean, if I have run role playing games or been in role playing games a hundred times then I have been a player three times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you wanted to figure out the actual odds, I am in a, a long running online game right now run by one of our adventure writers, uh, Shay Webster. Right. Uh, he wrote uh, M1 and M2, um, which was, uh, I'm drawing a blank now as far as, as far as what the names of the adventures were. Um. Oh. 
Taron Etten Marsh, I think, was one yeah, of them. That was M1. Yeah, and then M2. Moonspike I, Tower. Yes, yeah. He wrote both of those. And uh, he also created uh, Mistamir. Uh, that's his region. When each oh. uh, writer uh, presents an adventure to me, I pretty much let them choose a region of the world of Greymere that they can develop as their own. And oh, he chose this region way up in the north of Gray of Greymere, um, and called it Mistamere. And he's he's developed it brilliantly. I mean, it's just a really awesome micro setting in this much larger world where he's he's set his two published adventures, and he's currently running us through on a weekly uh, online game. That's so absolutely. I'm sorry, not a weekly, a bi-weekly online game. Do you know, I've often tried to write adventures for publications, but I just know my that's not my strength. I, I love to game master, and I, I think I'm always one of those people that is there. If people want to play, I'm always the person who says, I'll game master it or I'll DM it, you know. So, but it, I think it's fantastic that they've got all these little areas themselves that they've um, created. It's a, it's a real um, collaboration for the final game world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I just, I want each person that writes for us, uh, as far as classic fantasy goes, to feel like they have as much say in how their adventure fits into my world as i do creating the world yeah yeah it's that i and that is very clear from from what you're uh telling us about today so who would you recommend classic fantasy to i would recommend classic fantasy for anyone that um has played you know level-based role-playing games and they're looking for the feel but maybe they're they're a little tired of the same old system. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody that they can make a change to a different system, but still feel the familiar of, you know, the classic monsters and the classic spells. And of course the classic classes. Yeah. Um, so anybody that's, you know, tired of, uh, here's a good example. Parties trudging through this uh, wilderness area or along a path and a few bandits, you know, step out in front of them with crossbows aimed firmly at their chest. And they essentially are demanding, you know, the party's money. Yeah. And you, I could just see it. And, you know, the party's like, shoot us, you know, yeah. you're going to do <laughs> one to eight points of damage. And I have 56 hit points. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just like, there's no, there's no real threat from yeah. normal things. Once you reach a certain level in level-based games, and yeah, as a game master, I could easily have said, all right, but if he shoots you, he's going to kill you because you're not trying to get away. Yeah. But again, I don't, I, I like to play the rules as written Yeah. and the rules as written say you get hit by a crossbow. You're going to take this much of damage and, and therefore, you know, you're going to shrug it off and kill the two bandits. Yeah. Trying that same thing in Mithras. <laughs> you'd probably be it'd be in your best interest to give them all your money <laughs> well and then exactly. maybe work out yeah. a way to get it back later but yeah and and i think that's what you've said there is exactly why i moved from fifth edition to mithras um in the sense that all of a sudden combat well two things number one the the combat 
can be deadly. And so it is a threat. And I, I was never a fan of people just sort of like thinking, oh, we can just storm this castle. It doesn't really matter. You know, they're only doing yeah. 1d8. But the other thing that I really liked was that fighters had could become experts, you know, with their... Um, combat specials and things like that in Mithras. And I, I really like that aspect of it uh, as right. well. You know, very much so. I must say I have an M space um, campaign as well. And one of the players um, got cl cleaned, knocked out in two punches, you know, in a barroom brawl, you know, and, yeah. and it, it was you know, it really, that's what I want to see. You know, that's the feel of the game that I always want in the sense that, you know, they can't, players cannot just barge in and knock everybody down because they've got a hundred odd um, hit points. You yes, know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what kind of um, character do you like to play just before we finish? <laughs> um, it really depends on what I'm playing. If I'm playing, you know, in Mithras, I usually, like I said, I don't usually get a chance to play, but like in this particular case and the one that I'm currently in online, I waited till everybody else picked and I just took something to to balance out the party yeah. just because I love them all. You know, I mean, yeah. um, so that's all, you know, right now I'm playing a magic user and nice. uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'd never really played one. Even in D&D, &D, I never played magic users, you know, so I'm really enjoying playing a magic user. Uh, but if it hadn't gone that way and somebody else, uh, had played one, yeah. uh, I was actually going to go with a, a gnome berserker just because <laughs> nice. I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I'm pretty much willing to play anything. Uh, I, I just, I love all the different character classes. So, well, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. I, I'm, I know much more about classic fantasy now than I did at the beginning. And I'm so impressed with the world, you know, the, the Greymere world. And I think that's wonderful how you've not only developed the rule set, but you've also brought in your authors to have that collaboration towards a campaign. I just think that's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, I was so impressed by Rodney and classic fantasy. I really do wish that I had that creative gene in my body that would allow me to create adventures for publication. With my part-time job, I have to work towards publishing my research, and I am just as bad at that. I really did like how the campaign world was growing and the authors and writers of the modules got their own idea within the world. A true honour. Maybe I'll get a small island named after me so I can one day feature in the world. Just a tiny little island far away. Maybe just called Inwill's Isle? Or maybe... The Isle of Inwills.
If you would like to have a podcast episode dedicated to how to, you would go about submitting an adventure or supplement to the design mechanism to be published, then do let me know. I'm sure I can get a panel of fantastic people together to have a chat about that. And remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or chats with people. So if you in if you are interested, you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Now I've decided to bring back a way that you yourself could be featured or appear in the next episode of Mithras Matters. If you would like to provide some supportive feedback to the podcast, then do check out the feedback recording link in the show notes. It would be great to hear your feedback or comments about the featured topic of the episode. I will endeavour to play any recorded comments at the end of the next episode. So just record your name and feedback or question. Go on, you know you want to. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. I really appreciate your support. So do go and check out the Tappet talk forums and discord where there are some great people sharing their ideas within the discussions and before i say the outro i just wanted to say well done to the person that noticed that my outro comment is actually incorrect it's only taken 34 episodes see if you can spot it now and should i change it or just stick with it let me know so until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in May. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.